the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. So this show was recorded on July 19th with Yohai Kiriati and kind of doing the introductions to the show this morning with uh, Paul at, on the 20th of July. So uh, thanks for managing to rearrange our schedule a bit to do this so we can get this podcast out. Yeah, it's, uh, I thought it would be easy, just set something on the calendar and off you go, but it proves life proves different that way, doesn't it? Yeah, my uh, wife, for the first time, has gone away on a bachelorette party with her best friend to Austin, so she's actually in Richard Desiriga's neck of the woods. It's 106 Fahrenheit there at the moment. Um, it's her first time away from our daughter. She's 13 months, and so I am well and truly in dad mode for four days and optimistically put... Uh, to record this this morning at 7.30 thinking she might be still asleep, but she was not cooperating this morning. Yeah. Um, I had a production deployment this week, and that was less predictable than a 13-month-old kid, so I, just, <laughs> I <just> totally <laughs> understand. But all's well, right? But we're here. It's excellent. I, I guess the did it, is it in production? Did it, did it make it? Yes. Yes. Uh, the pieces that I was in charge of got there uh, yesterday, and uh, off they go so that's always my, good uh, yeah. my daughter's still breathing so production deployed successful for excellent. my end too excellent <laughs> excellent I, I was just gonna say so uh how's life in the microsoft graph world for you uh you've been in the last couple of weeks yeah it's good i'm well, just about to close up week seven uh it feels like i've been here for a year already uh, maybe a lot to do with the fact that i kind of have my old job back a little bit that i had in marketing <laughs> Uh, but now I'm in engineering org. Um, so there's some really kind of big, big projects that I'm working on with lots and lots of different people across engineering, marketing, and in the commercial software engineering org, which is where Richard Desriga uh, sits as well. And um, it's been a lot of fun. And it's just finding out kind of how I can semi-pat myself on the back for my own efforts in all of that to make, make me feel like I'm achieving things and not just kind of, you know, pushing projects along and other people kind of um, feeling like I'm nagging them to get updates. So, uh, and that's kind of part of the parts of working, I guess, at a big org like this where there's just so many moving parts to get things done and shipped. Yeah. Not, and there is nothing like striking through that task list item, or or are you a checkmark person, right? You're one, everyone's one of those two, but it, I, it, it's a great feeling. I actually started off with a one note of just a list, and every week uh, I was cop cloning the page and then deleting things I'd completed because uh, it allowed me to kind of, I guess, get a feel for how I'm restructuring things to categorize in different areas. Now I'm a little bit more set. I'm actually using Microsoft to do. Um, on my laptop and my iPhone and my desktop machine at work and my desktop machine at home. And the Windows 10 app for that's great. And every morning it reminds me that there was a bunch of stuff that I assigned for my day that I never got yeah. to yeah. and to review what I wanted to put on this day. Um, but yeah, clicking those boxes to say things are complete is super useful. But I'm, I have, well, I think they call them lists in to do, not buckets like they do in Planner. Yeah, right. I have 12 lists of things that i own around the microsoft graph so far uh, which are all working with different v teams to get things done so um i am a juggling carnival attending pm right now 
Awesome. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. So that means there's probably 12 noteworthy things to look forward in the graph in the months ahead. Yeah. I mean, the, actually, the one we celebrated <laughs> yesterday was, which I didn't have much to do with, I, I was on the back end of this, uh, was we now have our own Microsoft Graph blog, uh, which is now in the top navigation, which I did have something to do with. Um, <laughs> so now, no matter what Microsoft Graph property you're on, you can get to our blog directly and see all our latest news. And I am now the... Uh, I guess the ringmaster to get PMs to actually write blogs to post on there about our news, but also kind of learnings and summaries of things that we find from Stack Overflow and GitHub and so forth. So there will be a lot more activity moving forward now around that stuff uh, with me kind of chasing people up, which is cool. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then we also added the API reference directly to the top navigation. We got a lot of feedback from people that um, the reference was a bit buried in the table of contents in our docs section. And so we've actually made that a uh, top level navigation item now because there's a lot of people that just want to immediately get there. So yeah, yeah, it's been good to kind of take all that feedback that I've been initially getting as being new back to Microsoft um, and kind of try and win over people that have been in the team for, you know, I mean, this thing's been around for five years now, win over those people uh, to uh, to realize that, you know, change is a good thing and um, and, and to take a lot of the, the the feedback I get through my channels externally uh, and make change, that's good. So keep it all coming because it's really helping yeah. me to make things better here. And um, the more evidence I have to make the change, the easier it is. Yeah. So, and on that feedback note, I do I do remember at one point the table of contents got reorganized with the scenarios instead of just the developer buzzwords, which bothered me because who moved my cheese but i did get some great feedback from people who are new to the to the graph thought that was helpful um so i like that the api reference will be easy to get to but that that table of contents is not touch friendly so i can't look stuff up on my ipad it, because it's we are okay. yeah in a very long project which i am now very deep in to migrate the documents off of the developer.microsoft.com infrastructure to docs.microsoft.com so if okay. you've used the SharePoint SPFX doco or the .NET doco or Azure Functions documentation, they're already ported to docs.microsoft.com. We're currently in the process of doing that. It's a little bit more complicated for us because we have so many pages in our API reference. Um, And so there's a bit, there's some challenging aspects of the table of contents we're working through, but um, yeah, the, the platform and support for touch and support for um, different resolutions is way better in docs.microsoft.com so cool. we're looking yeah. forward to getting there I think our target was the end of the month but I suspect we might slip on the end of the well, month well it depends on which month right so the end That's of a right. month yeah. Yeah, yeah totally <laughs> excellent so yeah so I mean a lot of that's around just improving the developer experience which is essentially why I, what I own in the Microsoft Graph but there's a lot more cooler things than that to come for sure excellent excellent so uh the uh talking some some news in addition to uh the doc stuff uh the the office developer boot camps have been announced for 2018 uh they started these last year and uh it's a not it sounds like an official event but it's really a community uh sponsored event that that we're getting some support from from the office developer marketing group to do these things it's a, a great program and jeff teeper's on board he's recorded a little video uh, so far, I can see there's eight of them scheduled, but I know there's a ninth one because I'm doing one in Austin, Texas in October. I'm not Wait, hosting what? it. I'm speaking at it. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's one uh, that they're planning that I've committed to speak at. So there would be uh, a bunch of them going out. It would be, uh, be great. Yeah. Um, so if you go to dev.office.com, at the, at the bottom there's a little banner up there with a message from Jeff Teeper and links to sign up. So uh, certainly I'm just, I was just about to say there's two, two in, three in India. Um, and I was about to pronounce the names, but I guess we best do just for a laugh, right? <laughs> there's four in India. So there's one in Bengaluru. Should probably that sounds about right. Kolkata, Ami, oh, I'm bad. Yeah. Ami Dabad in Gurat in India. I'm sure everyone listening from India is yeah. rolling on the floor right now laughing. Um, and, and also, I want to Chennai. I think is how you say that one. So yeah. Or yeah, excellent. in Chennai. Yeah, and then there's one in Italy, in Roma. One in Switzerland, in Bern. Oh, Milano in Italy. I wonder yeah. if that coincides with the uh, Formula One race. Uh, they're they're a week apart, so a week in Italy, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then Mexico. So if you'd like one in your city, um, you can sign up to become an organizer and uh, we provide you all the content and there's a bunch of kind of um, project plans and templates we give you to help run the event. And there's some really neat kind of stuff that we do around that a lot of these are hosted at microsoft campuses too so um yeah yeah the key thing there's right so i'm sure we've talked before about the the training content repo that's been produced and and all that content is available so even if you're not an expert so necessarily in all parts of office 365 development there's materials that you can take including recordings i've done a bunch a couple of those modules so you can listen to my my voice drone out about things and so you can certainly get yourself up to speed uh, and provide materials slides hands-on labs everything so but hosting the event uh, we asked the organizers to come up with a location and, and names but the content would be handled for you and and other support so it's really yeah, really nice they host the registration and different things like that too so it's really neat i think last year they had i think 30 plus of these things so um it'd be good to see some more volunteers there so if you are interested you can definitely reach out um, just jthaker at microsoft.com and I can put you in touch with the right people. And then awesome. I guess from a community blogging perspective, um, Paolo Palosari, I'm getting that totally wrong. Sorry, Palosi, I think it is. Palosi. Yeah. Um, he's doing a video series around development. And um, honestly, he could, his accent is awesome in terms of. Uh, describing how you send mail using the Microsoft Graph inside of SPFX web part. It sounds like he's making some kind of cooking dish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it made me super hungry watching it. But um, there's a lot of really useful content in there that I wasn't aware of with um, SPFX. And um, we've just shipped a new SPFX Microsoft Graph training lab, which goes into detail on how to do this. Um, but Paolo's kind of worked specifically on the send mail thing which is really neat so um if you haven't started playing with the graph and you're a sharepoint guy and you're using spfx uh, definitely check those two things out parlor's video and um, the lab for it which we'll put in the show notes you know that re- that reminds me i was asked by a, a customer a while ago and I have, I have a blog post about this so i can get you the link that if using the graph but the default is it sends mail from the the person whose token you have and, and a lot of times it programmatically you want the mail to be sent by a generic i you know support account and there's right. a way to do that with 
delegated or senders or so, I can't remember the specific time I had, but I have a blog post that yeah. goes through all that stuff. So I'll include that in there as well. So if you want oh, the message yeah, to be, so in, in effect, you want the, the, if you get a token from a person or you want to make sure that person has sending rights on a, on a, like a group mailbox, for example, and then the send from, you can use specify the send from in the mail packet and it'll be respected. If, if you don't have rights to the sending mailbox, it, it won't work. And it shows like it's from the developer's account, which is not what you want. So, I'll get I'll get that I'll dig up that link and that'll be helpful too. I think those two would go together pretty well, having a yeah. There was a that. conversation going on Twitter this week uh, around that and app only and kind of admin consent to do all those things. Uh, and I know John Liu, who we've had on the show from a Microsoft Flow perspective, was helping some people out there too. So it does seem like it's a quite a common scenario for kind of internal corporate apps for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another uh, community news, there's a, a blogger, um, Marcus Moeller, I'm guessing, uh, has a SharePoint blog, and he has a post that executing batch requests with the graph and SharePoint framework, which is nice. So so batch requests are are very helpful. It helps improve performance greatly. Uh, and, and his take on this is we're doing this not just uh, a plain REST call, but actually inside a SharePoint framework web part. And so it's nice to get a bunch of these pieces together so that you can go through and, and optimize performance. Um, and, and you know, it, it's, it sometimes kind of sneaks up on, on you know, the need for, for batching. It doesn't seem to be that big of a deal, but then we start thinking, well, oh, I need to look up a you know, person's name and maybe I need to get some other information about them or a group they're in. Now that's two calls and then I'm doing a post and there's three calls and it's easy for it to get big you know, in, in a hurry. So this is a great little, uh, including code snippets you can take in. He's showing all how to build the packet and, and in his case doing multiple lookups. So it's really pretty handy. So great, great post by, by Marcus for that. Yeah, you have to think as well with therma, the throttling aspects that we have documented as well, that that can kind of help to keep your thresholds down by doing batch calling as well. So, um, yeah, that's it's a great post to see, especially in that combo with the SPFX stuff too. Um, and then, sorry, Laura, but Laura Kokarinen, that sounds pretty legit, but we'll hear on Twitter, I'm sure. Um has done another post we mentioned a lot in the last show she's doing some stuff with planner one big thing with planner um and andrew connell built a lab around uh planner for us was that you do have to use the groups read read write all um to be able to do things with a planner api we do document that in the docs um, but it is something that when you start getting permission denies and you're wondering why uh, when you're trying to use the tasks permission, um, it's tasks for Outlook, it's not tasks for Planner. Uh, we have heard that feedback loud and clear and there is some work that is being done um, by the team that own the, all of the permissions on the graph um, to try and uh, fix that through a few different avenues. Um, but what Laura's done is actually blogged about how she's rendering Planner tasks in her own application using the Microsoft Graph API to fetch them but she wants to get them back in the particular orders based on what you can do out of the box with Planner in the UI. And there's some nice little kind of filters that she's showing on how to get it back in those particular orders that um, isn't actually documented on our docs right now, which um, I've already forwarded to the Planner PMs to see whether they can improve the docs 
um, uh, to help other people that maybe don't discover Laura's blog post. So really great to see Laura sharing that stuff. Laura, if you're going to continue to post quality content, you have to send us a sound clip with the pronunciation <laughs> of your name. And we'll just p- put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and one last other community uh, item, uh, save the best for last perhaps, uh, is uh, a post by Jeremy Hancock at a starter fold for Azure Functions. And this is a bunch of the unglamorous but absolutely necessary stuff you should do when doing an application uh, in, in production. He's securely managing secrets. He's connecting to SharePoint Online, he's connecting to Microsoft Graph, doing logs and telemetry, uh, all that stuff that you will absolutely want to avoid but are necessary. So this is a, a great step-by-step, including a GitHub repo, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, of his code. And that lets you bootstrap your application with a lot of this infrastructure plumbing that you absolutely have to have and do things in a secure way. Uh, and and then you can build on top of that to build your, your application. So his example is, is using Azure Functions, but there's a lot of reusable concepts in here. You can also uh, extend to other app services as well. So it's a great, great, great stuff to get started there so uh jeremy hancock thanks for that that post and another fellow aussie as well okay i think he's actually a real one as opposed to me that was kind of like <laughs> citizens in at 2025 20, so right. um yes yeah, so uh, this week's show uh we had with yohai uh who i used to work with actually uh when i left the office dev marketing space i moved over to azure dev marketing and uh, I worked with Yohai on both Azure App Service and the Azure Function stuff. Uh, he's now in uh, the Microsoft Bot Framework team, and we kind of go through this. He works for Lily Cheng, who has been at Microsoft now since about 2003. Uh, prior to that, worked at Apple, and uh, incredible woman to work with. And Yohai is incredible to work with as well. I really enjoyed my time with that group, and. Uh, he was quite happy to answer the curly questions around Microsoft Bot Framework and some of the things around changing from V3 to V4 um, and scenarios and so forth. Have you done much with a Bot Framework, Paul? Uh, I've done a lot of kicking around in context of Teams and uh, yeah. simple little utility things, uh, nothing nothing to scale. So I, I'm excited to, hit, to see the, the updates coming out in V4. So uh, lots of potential. Yeah, I think what's cool is is that this started as like a Microsoft research project and now is kind of more of a formal product team with ship cycles and kind of general availability support and so forth. And, um, you know, the team's got really big. They're in Bellevue, actually. Uh, for those of you who've not been up to this part of the world, um, the campus, the main campus is in Redmond and Bellevue is kind of a town that didn't really, wasn't even on the map 25, 30 years ago and now is kind of a really cool trendy maybe a little bit too trendy for me now i've got a kid um <laughs> which is where all the mvps hang out when they come in town for the mvp summit is essentially the way to summarize it um there's lots of really nice bars and restaurants and so forth but there's two camp i was only aware of one campus which is at the top of the shopping mall in lincoln square but uh city center which is a few blocks away also has this campus and um yeah they they've dominated a floor and a floor or so in there of uh of engineers so i i get the feeling there's a lot of traction around this to push forward and they work out in the open with github so you can actually see what they're doing um as it's been shipped which is really neat yeah the great uh great stuff that i've seen so far and and um 
the I know that the team's team is on board with uh, integrating that stuff as soon as it's ready as well. So I think we'll see a, a big explosion of that as they as they've come in. It's not your typical V3 Microsoft release that does the improvements. In this case, it's V4. But from what I've seen, it's so much simpler, and, and they've learned a lot and been able to build those learnings into the back end and simplify the developer experience based on my experience. So I look forward to it to it rolling out. Yeah, yeah, he, he talks about that in the show. So uh, I guess we'll jump straight into it. If Just before we do that, if anyone's interested in coming on the show to share anything they've got, please reach out to us. Um, and I'd love it, I'm sure Paul would too, is if you guys can go retweet the tweets on our, our M365 Dev Podcast Twitter handle um, or just tweet directly the links to our blog posts that are on the uh, www.m365devpodcast.com website. We're really trying to make sure everyone's aware of this podcast now. It's been rebooted and um, get get a lot more audience. We're, we're doing pretty well. We just hit the 10,000 downloads of the show since we relaunched it at the end of April, um, which is actually pretty good, I think, based on other shows I've run. So thank you for listening. And please tell everyone, your grandmother needs to listen to the show to know what's happening yes. in the Microsoft dev space. And, and if you've written a, a blog post, I'd love to feature that in our community news segment as well. Always great to, to get uh, that information. Great nuggets this time and, and love to get more of those. So send it, retweet us and send us your content. It's terrific. And uh, thanks, Jeremy, for the touch of base. We'll uh, talk next time. Thanks. Okay, so I'm here in uh, Bellevue, actually, in the city center today. Uh, I, I actually knew this existed, but I didn't know how nice the buildings were compared to some of the grotty ones in Redmond. Yes. So welcome to the show, mate. Thank you very much. It's uh, good to cross so, paths again. Indeed, indeed. It's a pleasure. We, uh, I mean, I did a short stint um, kind of as the marketing rep for Azure App Service and Azure Functions, which obviously you were heavily involved in. Yes. Um, but now you've moved on to... Spot, 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 spots. Yeah, yeah. Move to the next shiny object. <laughs> and uh, yeah, conversational apps, or as they know known as chatbots or virtual assistants. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been in this team? So this is uh, three now, three months now, three, four yeah. months. And I believe you report straight into Lily Cheng too, right? Yeah, I report to Lily directly. That's legit. Yeah, that's fun. It's a, it's a, respectively, it's a, it's not a big group, so it's it's very, it's very fun to work here. It's, it's yeah. amazing people, super smart, uh, really cool. Yeah, the time I got to work with her when we were launching the Azure Bot service, which was a kind of combination of Azure Functions and the Bot framework. Um, she was awesome to work with and actually the room we're sitting in there are so many patent cubes yeah. sitting around that I don't think I've seen that bigger pile of patent cubes in anyone I've ever spoken to at Microsoft yeah and those are double layered by the way yeah that's nuts it's so for, for those that don't know um, I guess PMs that are involved in new features or technology that Microsoft submitted patents for um, the name of the PM involved is the one that kind of is associated with patent filing. And as part of that, they get those these black cubes. I think you still do to this day, right? That isn't a thing that's retired. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that she has well over probably 100 of those. And these are approved. And approved plaques piled up. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. So you're very fortunate to work with someone so, uh, so uh, kind of well yeah. deep into everything on Microsoft. And so the Microsoft Bot Framework, how long has it been around for? So the Bot Framework is being uh, uh, officially out a little uh, over two years. Close to three now, actually. Yeah. 
and uh, yeah, it's been around as the as the as the dev dot as the dev dot bot framework dot com, and you can actually go and build bot there. And about two years ago, it transitioned into officially into Azure bot service. Yeah, so that's basically like a, a hosted version of the framework rather than having to run your running it locally on your own thing. Correct. So the bot framework is a set of uh, tools and SDK that allow you to build great conversational apps. It gives you you know a SDK that supported number of languages and it has all the ingredients to build conversational apps. You got the emulator to test them and a bunch of CLI tools around that. And uh, uh, Azure Bot Services is a, is a, Azure Bot Services is a great place to host bots. It provides you with uh, capabilities of hosting a bot and also uh, registering bots and ability to connect to multiple channels that we support. Right. And so, you know, if you were in an elevator with someone, how would you convince them to use this stack versus build their own, roll their own, or use something else out there that might compete with this? Yeah. So uh, on, the mul- on, 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 on the shortest, kind of short answer to that would be that... That the Azure Bot framework, together with Azure Bot servers, provide uh, kind of a complete end-to-end developer story, from planning, designing to uh, building, building your bot, building your language understanding capabilities, all the different services around it are available through Azure and the Azure Bot service. Will give you a, a very comprehensive end-to-end solution, and it's basically all open sourced. It's there's no you know there's no a closed system like some of the other uh, others offers, and you can run it on Azure. You can run it other places. You can change part, plug in at different elements as you see fit. And so, um, what channels do you support? Like Microsoft over the years has done a good job of kind of surprising people by um, not naturally just picking the ones that Microsoft own from a channel perspective. Um, what are the what are the most common channels you see people using in the bot framework? Other than kind of the obvious ones like Teams and Skype for Business and stuff, right? So we support a wide wide range of, of channels. So obviously the Cortana, the Microsoft, the Teams, the Skype, but we all the uh, Teams and Skype, but we also support Slack, yeah, and Facebook Messenger, uh, and a few more. And we also have the ability to uh, provide. Uh, Kind of a web chat control, a web chat panel that you can embed directly in, in the web apps. Right. And the technology behind that element is it's basically WebSocket based. Is the ability to take those the web chat is a is an implementation on top of an API that you can basically host in any app, whether it's a Windows or it's an iOS or Android and so forth. Right. So uh, surprisingly or not, the the most popular channels we see are actually those custom channels. Yeah, yeah, because so, they can embed them in whatever application they have. Correct. So between the web control and the direct line, which is the implementation detail behind it, um, those two provide the bulk of the messages actually going on, on the platform. And if you think about it, it's not a surprise because eventually customers, um, you have your own brand, you have your own name, you want to create your own you know, custom voice kind of, and, and it's a lot easier to do it through if you have it on your website versus, you know, a Facebook messenger, yeah. which is, it's you know, less business and more client oriented and so forth. Yeah, I think it was at Build, not this year, last year, um, Richard Desriga, he used to host this show with me before, we built that 
scenario uh, inside of a SharePoint SPFX web part, and it was baked into an intranet scenario. Mm-hmm. So you could have a like a corporate bot that you could ask it questions, and it was right there and then directly inside of your intranet page, which you know that's where they were pushing everyone already. And it was um, a lot of customers that we spoke to were doing this because they're already on the internet and it was a natural progression to try and get them comfortable with talking to a a bot rather than a human being in Skype or is now Teams. Yeah, and correct. And because the way that both the the SDKs are are designed and built and the way that they integrate with Azure Bot Service and different channels, if you support one channel, you can easily register additional channels. Yeah. So you can think that if you have your 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 custom part in, a, in an internal web page uh, serving within the corporate, uh, later that corporate, let's say, introduces Teams, then you can register a team channel and your bot now are able to communicate. The same bot will be able to have similar functionality with very little effort from the developer to be able to communicate through employees on the on Teams, for example. Yeah, and, and I, mean, I love doing that demo where it's as easy as kind of going into a UI and ticking the box for that extra channel and suddenly it starts kind of essentially working in that thing, opening immediately into Facebook Messenger or those other bits and pieces. Yeah, there's a bunch of registration process involved, but it's mostly going to the Azure Bot service uh, on Azure and be able to configure that. And you can do it with CLI today, tools today as well. And so... Does the Azure Bot service team work in in kind of unison with you guys on the bot framework, or is it one and the same now? Yeah, it's it's not exactly so. It is. <clears throat> we try to make the perception it's one and the same. It's definitely the same team. I mean, this whole floor, it's 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 us working together. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we close. Uh, we we work close and close and hand in hand in terms of what we ship and deliver. Um, the Azure Bot Framework, the SDKs and the tooling that I say are all open source. You can essentially run the the, the end of the, your bots, your conversational app anywhere. It doesn't have, doesn't have to be run on Azure. It doesn't have to be run on Azure Bot Service. It can be run on, you know, any whatever. VM, we have actually customers running this in AWS. Yeah. Um, they do register the channels with our service. So again, to have them to handle all the protocol translation in between your bot and the different channels that you're using. Oh, that's hosted by the Azure Bot Service. Yes. And so, um, I mean, the different channels you've mentioned are mainly more kind of uh, chat conversations, one-on-one with a bot. Um, but you also mentioned Cortana. So how does that work with Cortana being not kind of text-based conversations going through? What kind of scenarios do you see there? Um, so... It's important to, while we call it a, a chatbot, and the reason we are using conversational apps or, or chatbots, a lot of people also calling uh, whatever we're building as a uh, as an assistant. Yeah. Because conversational applications offer basically a bot or a chatbot or conversational app. It's a it's a it's a UI. It's a new UI. It's a natural natural human interaction elements, yeah. text, uh, voice, speech essentially, uh, that provides you a new UI paradigm on top of existing services. Yeah. So, so the bot itself is kind of a conduit, it's like a proxy that understands what I'm saying or typing yeah. and do this magic to translate it into actions that actually go and basically, I don't know, order a pizza, send an email, set up a timer, do whatever. Right. Um, so, so it's quite advanced in the sense that, you know, depending on how you design the bot, it could work in Cortana with very little extra effort 
if you've already got it working kind of as a text-based bot? Yeah, because Cortana basic and, 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 and conversational applications are, are basically and essentially a multi-model. Yeah. So it's not just either text, uh, it could be uh, speech as well. You can have elements of you can upload images or take pictures in terms of visions. You can generate uh, responses in the form of uh, speech. You can recognize speech and so forth. So uh, the bot framework itself is um, supports bot development across multi across multi model, and the interaction with Cortana can be either uh, text for um, you know typing as well as speech. Right. Okay. And so, how does that work? You know, thinking ahead, that you know, if you're trying to target Teams and Slack um, and maybe Facebook Messenger, the the way the UI is working each of those different clients is quite different. Um, is this how Adaptive Cards plays over the top where, you know, you control what things look like in the different clients? Is that part of this kind of approach or what's how do you cater for that? Yeah, so we, we uh, I'll separate their response in, into two different aspects. Um, we'll answer Adaptive Card in a second. Basically, there is the, the fundamental lowest level, lower layer of the, of the bot framework and Azure bot service are the activity protocol. So there is an open source, kind of an RFC style, you should do this, you should not do that, uh, a protocol that identify activities that basically go between your bot application and different channels you're talking. So as customer on Facebook Messenger are typing or doing some other actions with the messenger, um, those messages get sent to the to the channel service, which is part of the Azure bot service, and translate from the Facebook protocol to the activity protocol, which is what your bot is uh, basically conversing with. Right. This is how we can create a bot that can talk across multiple channels. Yeah. Uh, so the activity protocol defines a you know set of activities to be able to converse on various channels, to be able to receive message, send messages, and obviously a lot of uh, rich media, multi-model, and so forth. Um, yeah, and there are nuances, and there are obviously new features that are being introduced to each of the channels. Uh, and every time we add a new capability, we try to go across multiple channels as we can to be able to provide the you know unified experiences. Yeah. Um, with that in mind, yeah, there are certain differences in between channels and between how the the a the level of support that the bot framework uh, offers at this uh, at this point in time. And we are always updating and adding more and more features per channel and new channels as well. Um, the adaptive card are basically was uh, and it is uh, a way to represent data knowledge, represent uh, graphical elements in in a unified format, uh, which is agnostic to the canvas that you are uh, describing it. So it's a if you think about adaptive card, it's a it's a it's a JSON format that explain what are the UI elements and the content, and then basically each channel is able to render those as 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 required. Right. So, uh, would an example be the card might look very more complex to UI in a Teams response than it would do in a Skype for Business response because Skype for Business only supports. Rich text, right? If that, yeah. So parts of, the, I mean, adaptive cards are 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 being rendered um, differently on different channels. Yeah. Uh, 
and they have some some yeah they have basically some very uh, uh, basic translator if the if the channel like completely doesn't support that yeah, at yeah. all. This is where uh, this is where uh, while we provide multiple channels uh, ability to for your bot to work with multiple channels at the same time, meaning you write your bot once and it can converse to different channels. Uh, there are some nuance in terms of you know each channels. How does it you know render some of the elements and or some of the logic that you need to? I guess it's almost like when you're writing a website and you have to test it in Chrome Edge and Safari. Yeah. Safari always being the one that trips you up the most. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. Yeah, it is. We we try to avoid as much as we can the the switch in terms of how to do uh, bot logic or uh, rendering. But there are some places that you are actually forced to do that or need to do that to have a, a smooth experience across multiple channels. So, I mean, if someone wanted to try this, where's the best place for them to get started to try out the Azure Bot service? Yeah, so uh, you can go to aka.ms uh, bot framework. Okay. And that just lands you somewhere that, I mean, you can have about running in minutes pretty much, right? Yeah, so there are multiple flavors in terms of why do you want to create bots. Um, if you go to uh, if you go to the Azure portal, and you want to create, and you can create new, and you look for uh, bots. You'll be able. You'll find either a function bot or a web app based bot, and the template that it will generate there will basically create a low world for you in about thirty seconds. Yeah, and you can download that and then run them locally as well with the tools that we have: the Azure Bot Framework, the SDKs, and the emulator. And what I mean is it. Visual Studio Pro, or is it kind of you can do this in Visual Studio Code? You can, yeah, definitely you can run in Visual Studio Code for 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 Node. The V4 of the SDK supports uh, .NET uh, SP .NET Core two. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, you can run everything with uh, with VS Code. You can run in Visual Studio, and we also support uh, Java and Python as well. So nice. Okay. And so you mentioned about the the version of the framework. I, I remember, uh, I think it was this build where you guys were announcing that there's a newer version that had some um, changes in it. Yeah. What was the what was the reason for those changes? Like, were they breaking changes, or is it just kind of a direction change in terms of where you were going with the SDKs? Yeah. the The previous version of the SDK was was very successful in terms of uh, in terms of usage and numbers um, we have hundreds of thousands of downloads for the SDK across the different languages wow okay yeah they're, they're at this point in time there are over well over 200,000 uh, bots being created and deployed on, on our service yeah I think it was like if you played the drinking game at build keynote of when the word bot was mentioned or intelligence you'd pretty much be drunk within the first five minutes yeah something like that <laughs> we have a wider community contribution I mean the v3 has been very successful uh, with that said the v4 is basically based on all the feedback we have gathered over the last two years from the v3 and the main feedback we hear from uh, developers is that v3 uh, framework is not as flexible or not flexible enough as they would like to see it there was a there was kind of a v3 uh, kind of not necessarily forces you but put you on a path that you have to do certain things to be able to develop or achieve as an end goal where v4 is a lot lot more modular open extendable have different layers between connector adapters middleware and your bot logic and you can extend almost every certain every level of that yeah um, and therefore then you know you can have middleware components that are custom to you you have right. you can have an ecosystem around middleware components for for partners ISVs, SIs. Um 
yeah, if we, if if you know if if we don't support a certain channel, you can go in as, as an adapter route and, and create a bridge between that and a new channel. So you can do it on your own now. Right, which you um, couldn't do in V3. It was a little bit more. Com- you could the world could do a bridge, but it was a little bit more complicated. Right. Uh, so yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, uh, of values in, in that modularity and ability to have a middleware component that uh, would we believe would drive a lot of developer, uh, improve the developer experience and make it easier to build. Uh, and then com- in terms of the versioning, you say the V3, V4, um, how do you do like production-ready support with these SDKs in the product? Like is V3 generally available production support and v4 is too or where are we at with that yeah so so v3 uh is generally available yeah it has been for for quite some time and v4 we announced was uh, in preview at build yeah and we are working firstly to get it to a stable build which we use the open source equivalent of the ga yeah yeah and so if someone was starting out now is the general advice start with four um, if you're not shipping within a certain amount of time, or is it stay with three and move over to four? Like, what? How are you kind of guiding customers? Yeah, if you're if you're starting today and and you're new to the whole thing, uh, yeah, definitely start with four. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, in terms of, I mean, we we made it semi public on on our GitHub that we are intending to be able to have a stable version. Um, the next couple of months. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so if that kind of the time frame that works for you in terms of uh, uh, shipping a production bot, then definitely go with uh, with version 4. And then um, some of the things I always get asked about is, you know, this notion of, well, how do I know who it is I'm conversing with? And the scenario, you know, that we I hear the most just from where I am in the graph team is more around like, I want to know who my employee is that I'm talking to and um, and then use that context of that person to then do other things with it so how does um the the sdk and so forth help with managing those things so in the scenario i guess would be like maybe you want to pull more profile information about that person or find out that person's manager um using the graph like how would you do that with the bot framework yeah so so um you know this is a very uh common scenario it's one of the on the top in terms of uh, corporate bots or internal employee facing bots yeah are, are you know very used and popular scenario and and the azure bot uh, framework hosted on, on azure bot service uh we introduce uh with uh, in, in build a new feature uh, like kind of um, bot auth or uh, or easy auth i would say yeah for bots with with basically allow you to uh, enables you to uh, easily authenticate your bot on your behalf uh, and and be able to access a wide range of services. We're actually using the flavors of the uh, Logic App connectors, which, right, okay. which are supported hundreds of connectors over there. Yeah. Uh, so we actually inherit all of those uh, capabilities. So you can authenticate against any of those services. Huh. Obviously, you can do it against Azure Active Directory and the graph. And with that, you can uh, easily get an, an, an auth token that you can then use against, uh, against the graph. Um, and then I guess with that, uh, do you, are you doing any like token management or anything so that you're kind of making that even easier from an SDK perspective? Yeah. So basically, when when you when you're running on, on Teams as an example, uh, you already are uh, a user authenticated on on Teams. How you use Team. Yeah. And when you use the bot, we we get the information that uh, we have or need on. We get there's a user ID, right? Whatever the user ID that 
being sent from that channel. Yeah. So team populate the user ID on, as I said, on the activity framework, and we get that, and the user can use this to identify, you know, user. It's unique and access and so forth. With that, you can now go against uh, the graph and get additional information. Yeah. The auth piece that we have there is that. Um, now you can easily uh, authenticate against Azure Active Directory and your bot registered as an app. So you can actually get a token and do manipulation against or API calls against the graph. And is the idea there that the backend service is using like an app-only approach that it has access to all the directory or is it making calls to the graph as that user? It's making graph to the graph as the user. Oh, that's really nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and because I know uh, where we did that demo two builds ago, um, at that point in time, I think the only way you could do the auth was um, it showed you like a code that you plugged in to the respond to the bot. Uh, is that is that progressing any further in terms of like that? Does it silently now? And yeah, so there's a, there's a, the bot has activities like a signing card and an auth card now, uh, and they are semi-interchangeable. Not directly. There's some nuance there in details, but basically with a few lines of code, uh, you can introduce a card to your to your user, and he will punching his credentials and when you do that then we do all the magic behind the scene to get the token once you have that you can just use that to be able to uh, communicate right. with 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 the with uh, with the target uh, service obviously the next step that we are uh, working on with our partners is the ability to do SSO across the board yeah yeah which this will be like the holy grail right no no need to worry at all then right and and so you mentioned these scenarios like the the corporate um, I guess bot is one of those, but what, what are there canonical examples you use that you're targeting as you're designing new features for all this stuff? Like it, what, what are you seeing as common patterns of pots that people are out there building? Yeah. Okay. So the common patterns that there are, um, kind of across all the different scenarios and, and, and I'm going to kind of simplify it, but it's nice to think about it that way. Um, so the basics from uh, greeting, right? How does the uh, when you first onboard to use a bot, or the bot, or you or you're joining a channel that has a bot, or you're first starting to use given a bot, then how do you say how do you manage that interaction? Like you know, hello, I'm a bot. What's your name? Or hello, Jeremy. You know, I'm this then that kind of bot. I can do ABC and so forth. Yeah. Um, how do you preserve that basically information and knowledge of the bot? You can you you can use that to kind of uh, gather some basic customer information if you want, to, or or some setting or customization that the user would like for the bot. Uh, so greeting is a good example of the generic patterns. Uh, basic uh, Q and A, not in the terms of the user ask a question to get an answer, is like how do you prompt the user to get feedback or information back. Yeah. Whether it's uh, one, you know, you're asking for one piece of information or you're asking for, you need basically to fill three or four different parameters mm -hmm. and so forth. So in V3, we had the form flow and kind of uh, uh, waterfall sequence di uh, diagrams. In V4, we're introducing sequence diagrams to, uh, sequence dialogue, sorry, to be able to help developers uh, on the road to, uh, to, to build bot that will be able to have... Uh, you know, delightful interaction with customers. Right, a little bit more complex to questioning scenario depending on how they answer. Yep. Um, and then, you know, I, we've talked about this from a, I guess, a corporate employee type Q&A aspect or maybe replacing an existing business form. But um, 
what kind of scenarios are you seeing in a non kind of in in the walls of a company type scenario with bots like are there any cool stories you can share that um, are publicly available or um, like a good even if you genericize it of how people are using Cortana with this type of stuff yeah so actually within our company we got some few interesting bots uh, we 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 work closely with uh, with uh, with Microsoft IT to and HR to to basically uh, come up with with a bot that will do the the basic stuff. For example, if I ask you, do you remember how to file expenses? Yeah, and you will say like, hmm, maybe. Let me find this link and yeah. so forth. So imagine you have a bot that says like, hey, file expenses and. The first thing you can do is just give you that link. Hey, click right. here and you're done. And now you can actually do that. Yeah. Next evolution would be like, okay, let's, you know, create and capture expenses and so forth. And same thing with like, do you remember, uh, do you remember, um, you know, what is the URL to file um, vacation sign? And yeah. So, yeah. Forth. so those kind of things are, we see evolving as, as, as a, a scenario, common scenarios in which, internal uh, employees need some information yeah whether it's policy related whether it's just a pointer to the actual app to actually it's perform like a for concierge you. type thing kind of yeah because uh, think of in, it in that instance is it would it forward you off to another bot that's been built specifically for time machining or specifically for expenses or is it more like the bot does everything yeah so those are again we are we are early in the in, in the in, in in we are early in building bots yeah. so all those patterns are being evolved yeah we do see clearly the the need to have bot be able to uh, interact with other bots yeah and and be able to either do a pass through or a full a- aka skynet kind of <laughs> and and basically as i said as i said earlier uh, a bot is a new ui right so the bot is not the service that will basically book a vacation for you or allow you to file an expense or report your vaca- uh, time off um, those there are web services behind and actually will do it for you and the bot interact with them so we definitely clearly see a bot talks to another bot or pass enough control and context to another bot so that bot will be able to capture that information and handle that aspect of conversation uh, that you're trying to fulfill and when you're done you'll be able to back to the the first context but again these are all work in progress evolving patterns that that it's kind of we are trying to build them together as we go yeah yeah and then I guess the other scenario that I hear a lot is like um, I'm already a member of who knows how many Microsoft Teams now with different channels of things. And um, I've always thought it'd be useful if the bot was uh, monitoring a particular channel and be able to chime in and help uh, answer questions if they were asked, uh, if it knew the answer. Is that a capability that, I mean, Teams has right now as a channel or that other channels have that you've seen that scenario occur rather than it kind of being, I'm directly one-on-one chatting with a bot that the bot is part of a conversation that's happening with a bunch of people yeah so yeah it is it, it is a it is it is a common pattern and it is a common ask and it's very much dependent on the channel and the capability of the channel to support um you know multi multi-user conversation and a channel to be and a bot to be able to listen to basically listens to all of the all of the messages on that channel and be able to chime in it's very much a channel dependent and not all the channels supports that and the bot framework in terms of the SDK and in terms of the activity protocol we definitely 
provide those events when a new user joined the channel and user leaves the channel and so forth. Right, okay. That's neat. I like it. Um, and so where are we going? Like quite obviously that you're wanting to GA V4, but are there any kind of big kind of features that you're working on? I mean, obviously you're out in the open because it's open source. Um, are there any big things you're working on that you're looking forward to kind of sharing? more broadly i'm putting you on the spot here so. yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we i think what we are what excited me about uh about the next release is that uh, the the v4 is sdk itself in terms of the the, the modularity and, uh, and extendability of it is it seems to be very promising yeah uh, and should you have a, provide us a, a solid ground of uh, architecture that we can evolve on and top of and be able to carry it a long way um and and what I like is that we are now uh, focusing a lot on the on the developer experience and improving the end-to-end overall bot development management experience across the board. Yeah, uh, this is from anything from you know specific templates that we're going to release in terms of the you know Visual Studio or or generically uh, for JavaScript Yeoman we have you know generic templates for for bots bot templates. Uh, different middleware component and ability to include uh, uh, built-in within a template's ability to interact with different cognitive services. Um, on top of that, we're going to add uh, rich telemetry that allow Larry to provide more monitoring of your of your bot in terms of operational as well as conversation quality. Right. Okay. And we want to wrap all of that with awesome samples and awesome documentation that will basically guide you through build the bot. It was what we've seen is you can do a lot, and and there is a lot of uh, guidance or a lot of uh, lack of knowledge and understanding around the, the the actual product design of the of the bot itself. Like how yeah. do you how do you you know what's the right amount of time to write to retry to capture user information, and then when you fail, what do you do with it? Right, right. right. How do you obviously improve your bonds uh, over time and so forth. Yeah, so it's more like the guidance and uh, like once you got over the first blocks of getting it running and coding the initial parts, you're going to help there. Yeah. Um, what bots do you use on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Yeah. So uh, surprisingly, I use uh, I use, uh, I use the internal, the WhoBot. Yeah. yeah, it's very comfortable because I don't know. I mean, I, I'm extremely, extremely bad with names. <laughs> so like, I, I names and image and faces. Like maybe I can recognize a face from time to time, but names I'm completely off. So <laughs> uh, the WhoBot helps because it's it's nicely other than just giving you a card with a WhoBot for those who are not fully aware is a is a basically a, a, a team chatbot that allows you to punch a name, uh, you know, typing a name, and it will give you uh, all the re, uh, associates, you know, uh, if it finds it in the, in the gal, right, in the global averages list, it will give you that person card information about the person, who it is, you know, but you can see the entire org there, who does the report, reports to, you know, peers. So it's like a great way to stalk people yeah, internally. pretty much, yes. And, and, and I, can, I like the feature where you can actually say, because again, I've been met so many people in the seven weeks I've been back. That you, if they've had the conversation with you in Teams, or you've worked on a document with them, or you've had the email, you can actually be like, "Who have I talked to about the bot service?" And it yep. will actually re- return uh, uh, a list of people because they start using the underlying activity stuff inside the graph. Yeah, that's super useful as a bot. 
Yeah, the, yeah. The graph, the graph itself is is is, is very powerful. Do you, do you use any in your personal life as well? Uh, yeah, kind of, yeah. I, I use I use then I don't know if they are like chatbots, but there are few like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, the Wish app. Yeah. So the Wish app has a the bot that basically helps you to track orders. Yeah, and you can ask it different things. Right. And I use a little bit few more within uh, Slack, but those are not. I mean, I mean, they arguably they're not really bot. They're more like a slash command slash bot. Like if yeah. I, you know, integrate my, you know, on a private product I do with other people on Slack, you can integrate with Asana or other stuff like or GitHub or anything like that. So yeah. you can do all of that, but they're not truly, truly bots. Yeah, it's not like a conversation you're having with them. It's more just integration, yeah. notifications. I guess what we call like connectors in our Microsoft world. Yeah. Cool. Um, where is the best place to follow you guys? Do you have Twitter handles? Do you do a community call? Like, what what kind of things are you engaging with the community on? Right. So we want to do community calls. Yeah. We're working on that. <laughs> uh, we do have a Twitter handle for the bot framework, uh, and the best place to basically interact with us would be on Stack Overflow. Yeah. Uh, GitHub. What's your Stack Overflow tag? Uh, I think bot framework. Yeah, I would imagine that's what it is. Yeah, pretty much. Or Azure bot service. I'll, uh, I'll make sure this is in the show notes as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so the Twitter, uh, the uh, uh, Git and Stack Overflow, we are closely monitoring those. Cool. Yeah, I'm assuming you're super active there from an open source perspective anyway. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, like, I know you've got a hard stop, which you never made to jump to. So thank you. It's good to see you, mate. Same here. And um, I mean, We'll, uh, I'm sure we'll catch up yep. in later to find out what else you've been up to. And Always. I need to start hitting up these samples with Graph Plus Bot Framework to make sure we're covering off that nicely as well. Yeah, we should definitely uh, work together on some templates for our corporate bots. Yeah, awesome. All right, yeah. well, enjoy the rest of your day, mate. Yeah, and, uh, thanks. See you. you Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 